Is it going? Okay. Okay. Um, so I'm speaking now into the recorder because I am speaking for anyone who might listen to it and not be present in this room right now. If you are a listener to today's lesson, or today's not lesson, today's meditation is what we're going to call it, I would um, encourage you, if you're a listener, to uh, find a quiet space because part of what we're going to do this morning is a form of electio with two of the passages um, that, that are in the larger, two excerpts from the larger passage this morning. Let me pray this short prayer. Dear Lord, may we be mindful that all stories are held within your greater story. Amen. So here we are then, nearing the end of our second week of Lent. And at the same time, as we're in the second week of Lent, we're moving through the Lenten season, at the same time in this study, we are sinking deeper into the story of God's formation of his people, the family through whom he will bless all of the human race, the seed of Abraham through whom we are all blessed. And this today is that story, and it is earthy, it is full of grittiness, bad behavior, family strife, and rich, tasty red stew. <laughs> what I hope we can do this morning is to marry these two things, that if we could marry our Lenten journey as with our dive into this passage of Scripture. Lent is a season of journey and pilgrimage as all of us together make our way with Jesus to Jerusalem. It can be a rich season of introspection and repentance. And with the Holy Spirit as our companion, it can be a transformative season as our eyes are directed upward to the cross and ultimately to Christ resurrected, our hope of glory. So this morning, I would like us to do something different with these two excerpts of our text. I would like for us to bring what we know of this story, which you may, if you've done the Bible study, you know a lot of the story. And if you've watched the Jen Wilkins, you know a lot about this story. So bring what we know of this story into a meditation or more a guided lectio, if you will, to consider through careful examine of our hearts, our own sin, as we hear the first part of the story of Jacob and Esau. There is nothing perfect about this family that God has chosen. No one in today's story, no one gets a free pass. All fall short of God's glory. So, in this passage, we find companions in our sinfulness. And let me say a little bit more about companions and pilgrimage. As it is referenced, as pilgrimage is referenced throughout Scripture, and certainly in the history of Christianity, pilgrim, pilgrimages are always taken in community. Rarely, even in differing world religions, does one go on a pilgrimage alone. And so neither are we alone. We find fellow pilgrims as we read all of Scripture. This Scripture today. 
And we also find fellow pilgrims through the great gift that God gives us in the community of believers that we have in our lives. Consider the fellow pilgrims in your small group. Look around at the women in this room and know that there are pilgrims on this journey with you. We'll then, after looking at that first excerpt, we'll then move to the last excerpt from today's passage and we'll consider Jesus' companionship with us in our journey as we contemplate Jacob's dream and God's words of assurance to him of God's presence with him. We will remember the words of Christ, promise, that he is with us also. He is the gate, he is the stairway, and he is the way to the Father. I double-spaced, so if it looks like I have a ton of pages in here, I just double-spaced, so that's why I'm flipping pages. Um, all right, uh, just a few words about Lectio and how we're going to do it this morning. I believe this portion of Genesis really lends itself to some form of Lectio, which is more a meditative, prayerful consideration. I love the richness of texture, taste, sound, and sight that is found in this passage. And so my mind goes immediately to Lectio. Lectio calls us to use our senses to enter into a story, and the text here provides an abundance of sensory descriptions that can fully engage our imagination if we just let them. So I hope that we'll be able to stretch our contemplative muscles this morning. And then there's poetry. I am a lover, and each of these passages has a short poem that I will read because the passages are so long, we may just get a chance to read the passage once, and then I'll have a poem that I'll read about that passage. I am a lover of poetry, and I um, am a big uh, groupie of Malcolm Geit, and he says, I love what he says in his introduction to his anthology of Lenten poems when he says this, he says, I believe that poetry requires us to slow down, carries echoes, hints of music, and summons energies that we miss if we are simply scanning. Poetry brings us back to older ways of reading and understanding. It can be a slow savoring of the text, a rich meditation that begins with the senses, taste, and sound. This text lends itself to this kind of reading. And remember my prayer, as we listen and enter into this story, all stories are held within God's greater story. So if you've not done any Lectio, here's a simple framework for what we're going to do today. We're gonna to do it in two parts. We're going to pause and rejoice preparing our hearts for what the Spirit has for us. So I would encourage you to get physically comfortable if you need to space out. Feel free to close your eyes if that helps you. Um, we're gonna, you're, it's gonna be a listening experience. Um, so feel free to do that, but just get comfortable. We'll, we'll pause and I'll, I'll say a prayer to help us get centered. We'll um, meditate some on one passage and then we'll move to the next one. Um, we'll hear the passage and we'll rest in it with some reflective prompts. 
So I have some questions for you to think through as you've heard the passage. Um, but I also encourage you, I have, I came up with lots of good prompts that I just kept coming in my head. So there's way too many. So know that that's what's printed that will go with your small group leader that you can um, reflect on in your small group or even more later when you're alone. And then part of our reflection will be a short poem about those particular scriptures um, to help engage our minds creatively um, with sometimes when we just have fewer words that are maybe help us focus in on more of the description. If time allows, and I'm so, so thankful for this clock at the back, we'll read the passage again, but I'm looking at the clock already and thinking we might not have time to do that. So that's where we'll begin. So take a deep breath. Let's pause to be still. Breathe slowly and recenter our scattered senses upon the presence of God. Jesus, when you were in the wilderness, you responded to Satan's temptation to satisfy your hunger by turning stones into bread with the words of scripture. One does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Help us, dear Savior, to remember that you are the word, and in you alone we find all our hungers satisfied. Dear Lord, we choose to rejoice in the gift of your salvation today in the ancient praise of all God's people in the words of Psalm 14. The Lord looks down from heaven and the sons of men to see if there are any who understand, any who seek God. All have turned aside. They have together become corrupt. There is no one who does good, not even one. Oh, that salvation from Israel would come out of Zion. When the Lord restores the fortunes of his people, let Jacob rejoice and Israel be glad. We know from this passage that Jacob ruling Esau was in God's plan, the normal order of things being overturned. And yet, as the story unfolds, the grittiness of the characters can startle us. Let's listen together to this passage from our study in Genesis, hearing the beginning of the story of Jacob. This is the family tree of Isaac, son of Abraham. Isaac prayed hard to God for his wife, Rebekah, because she was barren. God answered his prayer, and Rebekah became pregnant. But the children tumbled and kicked inside her so much that she said, if this is the way it's going to be, why go on living? She went to God to find out what was going on. God told her, two nations are in your womb, two peoples butting heads while still in your body. One people will overpower the other, and the older will serve the younger. When her time came to give birth, sure enough, there were twins in her womb. The first came out reddish, as if snugly wrapped in a hairy blanket. They named him Esau, meaning hairy. His brother followed, his fist clutched tight to Esau's heel. They named him Jacob, meaning heel. 
Isaac was 60 years old when they were born. The boys grew up. Esau became an expert hunter, an outdoorsman. Jacob was a quiet man, preferring life indoors among the tents. Isaac loved Esau because he loved his game, but Rebekah loved Jacob. One day, Jacob was cooking a stew. Esau came in from the field, starved. Esau said to Jacob, give me some of that red stew. I'm starved. That's how he came to be called Edom, meaning red. Jacob said, make me a trade, my stew for your right as the firstborn. Esau said, I'm starving. What good is a birthright if I'm dead? Jacob said, first swear to me. And he did it. On oath, Esau traded away his rights as the firstborn. Jacob gave him bread and the stew of lentils. He ate and drank, got up and left. That's how Esau shrugged off his rights as the firstborn. Are there ways that I have unequally divided my love for those closest to me? Do I scheme and plan for my own good? Am I ever vigilant for opportunities for personal gain? Or do I want what satisfies in the moment, seeking immediate gratification without considering the long-term effects of those close to me? Lord, I pause and examine my own life. I wonder if I am resisting God's work in my life, and I even worry that somehow my failings might limit your kingdom expanding. May I see in this story that your story overarches my own. It is in my sinfulness that your work of redemption begins. Lord, as we return and consider this passage in a new way, I ask that you would open our ears to your word and our heart to yield to your will once again. Here at the beginning abound, touch, taste, sight, scent, and sound. Another shriveled womb and broken heart, two nations conceived by God's own art. Thrashing and struggle, Rebecca feels within. God speaks prophetic and the conflict begins. The sight of a red one, gristle and hair, the striving young one grasping and gasping for air. The waters of birth give way to divided love, 
one ruddy and strong, one more like a dove. Husband and wife, their loyalty now cleaved, God's word discarded as each deceives. A love for outdoors, for hunting and game, Esau wants fleshy fulfillment, despises his name. A steaming red stew stirred over a fire, the scent and the taste, mouth-watering desire. What of the younger, quiet and still, but plotting and planning, he too wants his fill. Two brothers remind us of two sons in a story Jesus told of what Jesus told of one who squandered all in vain glory the other remained and lived bitterly there yet the theme of the story is their father's care like Esau and Jacob they wanted only their gain their selfishness and sin the father's love overcame Our Father, this passage causes me to reflect on my own sinfulness, to see myself in both Esau and Jacob and even Rebecca. It is enough to make me despair. And yet, their story is held in your larger story, as is mine. Your promised kingdom would come through the seed of Abraham, and your work is done in the midst of our brokenness. Our story is completely wrapped up in your embrace, the embrace of the Father who welcomed both sons into his arms and into his banquet. Now let's skip to the end of our passage, the story of Jacob's dream. So take a deep breath again. Um, Pause to be still. Breathe slowly. And recenter our scattered senses upon the presence of God. Our passage this week seems to be all about the brokenness of Isaac's family. But this excerpt, the story of Jacob's dream, brings me back to God's greater story. God is trying to orient Jacob to where he is in God's story, and so too may I be reoriented as I enter into this story. Lord God, you are not absent in our messiness. In fact, you are present more than our minds can grasp or imagine. Your kingdom will come and you are already among us. Dear Lord, we rejoice in your all-knowing presence in our lives in the ancient praise of all God's people in the words of Psalm 130. Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. O Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to my cry for mercy. 
If you, O Lord, kept a record of sins, O Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness, therefore you are feared. I wait for the Lord, my soul waits, and in his word I put my hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than watchmen wait for the morning, more than watchmen wait for the morning. O Israel, put your hope in the Lord, for with the Lord is unfailing love, and with him is full redemption. He himself will redeem Israel from all their sins. Jacob has fled Esau's wrath, and he finds himself a short way from home with a long distance ahead to reach Paddan Aram. He has received Isaac's blessing and Esau's birthright, but at this moment, he does not fully know the God who has given them to him. Let's listen together to this passage from our study in Genesis, hearing again from the beginning of the story of Jacob. Jacob left Beersheba and went to Haran. He came to a certain place and camped for the night since the sun had set. He took one of the stones there, set it under his head and lay down to sleep. And he dreamed. A stairway was set on the ground and it reached all the way to the sky. Angels of God were going up and down on it. Then God was right before him saying, I am God, the God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. I'm giving the ground on which you are sleeping to you and to your descendants. Your descendants will be as the dust of the earth. They'll stretch from west to east and from north to south. All the families of the earth will bless themselves in you and your descendants. Yes, I'll stay with you. I'll protect you wherever you go and I'll bring you back to this very ground. I'll stick with you until I've done everything I promised you. Jacob woke up from his sleep. He said, God is in this place, truly, and I didn't even know it. He was terrified. He whispered in awe, incredible, wonderful, holy, this is God's house. This is the gate of heaven. Jacob was up first thing in the morning. He took the stone he had used for his pillow and stood it up as a memorial pillar and poured oil over it. He christened the place Bethel, God's house. The name of the town had been Luz until then. Jacob vowed a vow. If God stands by me and protects me on this journey on which I'm setting out, keeps me in food and clothing, and brings me back in one piece to my father's house, this God will be my God. The stone that I have set up as a memorial pillar will mark this as the place where God lives, and everything you give me I'll return to a tenth to you.
Am I afraid? Do I feel that I am fleeing something or some things in my life? Am I arrogant and proud of what I have accomplished, what I have done with my life? Where do the eyes of my heart naturally turn inward or heavenward? How have you revealed yourself to me, Lord? Do I believe that it would be easier for me to trust God if he would do certain things for me? Lord, as we return and consider this passage again, I ask that you would open my ears to hear your voice and my heart to yield to your will once again. Here Jacob is, fleeing and tired, his aspirations now in brokenness mired. Asleep, he's, his restlessness finds rest on a stone. The Father knows well what to him is unknown. God's presence is here. God in this place, his brilliance reveals he is beyond time and space. So Jacob is given a dream of a ladder, the voice beside him unfolding all that matters. God's presence on earth, this vision clearly shows, the God of his fathers with him wherever he goes. God's blessing will come, his army is here. So Jacob has reason to harbor no fear. Awakened from slumber and filled with awe, Jacob bargains with God after all that he saw. And so God speaks, and we too ignore. We offer up deals with our needs at the fore. We too are fleeing, stone-headed and tired. We know that like Jacob, in brokenness we're mired. So to Thomas we turn and hear Jesus speak, a place prepared for us all, wondrous, unique. Our hearts cannot fathom the steps to take. Jesus speaks to us too. He will never forsake. Our brokenness mires us and tells us we're lost. Jesus, the ladder, the way we see at the cross. Jesus, we hear your words in John's gospel. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I am going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going. Jesus, you assured the disciples that you were preparing a place for them and you would bring them to dwell with you. 
that they might always be with you. We, like Thomas, are often confused by these words. How can we know the way? May we hear your life-giving words. I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jacob declared that place to be the gate of heaven. Again, in John's gospel, you proclaimed that you are the gate and that whoever enters through you will be saved. We whisper with Jacob, incredible, wonderful, holy. You have opened the way to the Father. We no longer need to bargain like Jacob to predicate our worship of you on if-onlys. We surrender to you our gateway to heaven. Lord, God Almighty, this Lenten season, may I consider the stairway of this dream and your words to Jacob. I am with you and will keep you wherever you go. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. Thank you for your accomplished work on the cross. We have received mercy. You have forgiven. Thank you for your instruction to your disciples that you will bring us to a place that you have prepared. For your assurance that you are the gate and all who enter through you will be saved. Thank you that you are our stairway. You are here among us and you will bring us to you. We praise you that you are the way, the truth, and the life. Amen.